But 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, probably be a different kind of message this morning. Uh, I know it's Sunday morning you're supposed to preach a salvation message, uh, but if you need to get saved, you're in a great place. Just see us after the service and we can show you how to get saved by the grace of God. Um, this morning we're going to be dealing with the thought of faith promise giving. Uh, for those that have participated, hopefully it'll encourage you to continue to do so. And for those who've never heard of it, hopefully it'll be informative and help you uh, to make the choice to get involved in it. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, if you're there, say amen. The Bible says, verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon, bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Well, what was the gift? It was an offering that the church of Macedonia had taken up to give to the churches in Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem who were in a great need of it. Uh, beyond their, verse number four, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as he abounded in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge uh, and in diligence and your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. What? The grace of giving. Look at verse number eight. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove, to prove the sincerity of your love. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that he through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be a forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, as it, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which you have. For if you first be a willing mind, it is accepted according that a man hath, and uh, not according that he hath not. For I mean not the other men be eased, and ye be burdened. But by an equality that is now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want, and their abundance may also, may also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you. Uh, Lord, for a wonderful song service, Lord, thank you for the, the month of October, Lord, Missions Month. And we're so grateful, Lord, not just to know what missionaries do and what missionaries are, and Lord, to know them as friends and know them as people, but Lord, what a privilege it is to be involved in the Great Commission. Uh, Lord, we ought to be in hell this morning. Our life ought to be a wreck. Our homes ought to be a mess, but here we are this morning. God, we sang about it. We surely are blessed. And I pray, Lord, this morning that we would take our, 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 our commission as a Christian to go into all the world and to preach the gospel Seriously, uh, Lord, help us this month, Lord, to get our hearts right. Lord, help us to get our hearts in tune with you. We ask you, Lord, over the month, God, you begin to work on our hearts, a specific amount that you'd have us to give each month, each week, yearly, uh, God, that we might be able to build a missions budget, God, and pick up missionaries, God, and continue to support those that we already support. We ask you, Lord, that you do a great work through our little church. Lord, little is much when God is in it. We ask you, Lord, that you do something, God, beyond our comprehension and, God, beyond our ability to explain away that, Lord, we'd simply walk away from it with our hands lifted high, saying it was the Lord that has done this work. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you give us clarity of thought. Would you help us to understand clearly what the Scriptures say this morning? And, Lord, would you take your word, and God, show us the great truth 
uh, God, that there is behind it, in it, for the giving towards faith promise. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. What is faith promise giving? What is faith promise giving? It is, that is the title that we've given to the, how we support missionaries through our church. And it is, it is a way that we give uh, every month or weekly or bi-monthly, however the Lord leads that way, or write a yearly check. And all that money goes directly towards missionaries that our church supports. Right now, we currently support 25 missionaries, uh, a couple in the States, the rest are around the world in, in different places. And we support them at $100 a month. That's $2,500 a month that our church sends out every month to support missionaries. So $30,000 a year that we, spend, that we send out, that we invest uh, into missionaries as they're going out, starting churches, preaching the gospel, and carrying out the Great Commission to the, the uttermost parts of the world. And it's a wonderful blessing to be a part of that, and it's a wonderful blessing to be invested in that. But it is what, in fact, when someone says faith promise giving, it is how you and I as a church support missions around the world. And we realize this morning it is not something that we do because it sounds good. It's not something that we do because it just seems like it'd be fun to do. It'd be uh, enjoyable to participate in. But we have been commissioned as Christians to preach the gospel. Look at Matthew chapter number 28 this morning. We'll come back to 2 Corinthians. But Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 19 is what we call the Great Commission. This is the Lord speaking to his disciples, but not just to them, but to each and every one of us that are saved by the grace of God have been commissioned to go and to preach the gospel. He said, well, preacher, I'm a lady. Preacher, I'm not called to preach. I understand that we're not talking about behind the pulpit. We're talking about taking the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, going to a lost and dying world that may be a family member, may be a friend, may be a co-worker, and said, hey, do you have a few minutes that I can share the gospel with you? Look at verse number 19. It says, go you therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the into the world, amen, is what the Bible says there. That is what we call the Great Commission. That is God, the Lord Jesus Christ, telling you and I this morning that we are to tell a lost and dying world the gospel. We're to share the good news of Jesus Christ with him. I want to ask you this morning, quite frankly, quite plainly, did you carry out the Great Commission this week? Did you and I go to somebody in some form or some fashion and share the gospel with them? But then Acts chapter one, verse number eight tells us how far is that great commission to go? How much are you and I responsible for this morning? Acts chapter one, verse number eight, Brother Jed quoted it during his prayer. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all of Judea, in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. You say, well, preacher, I don't, live in Ju- I don't live in Jerusalem, I don't live in Judea, nor do I live in Samaria, and I guess, according to them, I might live in the uttermost parts of the world. And we see here, once again, the Lord is speaking to his disciples, and in here he is setting forth the pattern of the Great Commission. How far is the Great Commission? How far are you and I supposed to take the gospel to? Where do you and I stop at? 
And we see here there's Jerusalem. That is our community. That is our town. That is our city. That is wherein we live. For you and I, most of us, it's either Augusta, Hepzibah, or a surrounding city around here. That was what we could consider our Jerusalem. That is where we live. That is where we work. That is, that is where our community is. You go to Judea, and there's that, that outside. That could be the county. That could be the state. There's, uh, and then there's Samaria, which could be the country, to the uttermost parts of the world. So we see here this morning, as born-again Christians, each and every one of us have been commissioned to take the gospel not just to our community, not just to our state, not just to our country, but into the uttermost parts of the world. So let me ask you this morning, how are you supposed to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world? How are you and I who have who have many stakes in the ground, so to speak. We work here. We have homes here. Our life is here. God hasn't called us to a faraway country. God hasn't called us to a faraway place. But yet we see here this morning that you and I, in essence, are given the requirement to make sure the gospel goes to the uttermost parts of the world. We'd step back and say, well, preacher, that's impossible. God hasn't called me to China. God hasn't called me to the Philippines. God hasn't called me to any of these flags here or other countries around the world. God hasn't called me there, preacher. So how am I to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world? I'm so glad you asked this morning. That's where faith promise comes in. That is the plan of faith promise giving that we'll be talking about in these next few weeks and hopefully the Lord will give you a, a burden not just to give but to give cheerfully and to give rightfully and to give out of your abundance this morning because here's the thing, yes, God expects you and I to take it to the most parts of the world and we'd say, well, it's impossible because of where I live and the way my life, I just can't up and leave my family, preacher. I understand that and I don't think God's asking you to do that this morning but he has made a way for you and I to make sure the gospel gets to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, we see it and we call it faith promise giving this morning. You and I giving directly to the church and there the church sending it out to the missionaries. Now, like I said this morning, what you give towards missions at our church only goes to missions, right? If it comes down to it, we're struggling money to pay the bills and different things like that, we will not take that out of the missionary fund. We want to take that out of our faith promise giving. All of that goes to missionaries here and abroad this morning. We're not like a lot of your charities in, the, in, this, in our society, in our country, that they'll beg you for money, beg you for money, and I think it's like 10 cents out of every dollar actually goes toward the cause that they're trying to help. 90 cents on the dollar goes to pay the president, goes to pay the fees, goes to pay this, goes to pay that. Everything we take in, everything you pledge, everything you give goes to Missionaries, now one thing we have to clarify this morning, faith promise giving is not your tithe, right? Your tithe is your tithe. The tithe is to the Lord. The tithe is what the church uses to make sure the lights are paid, make sure that, that, that things that are needed are, are taken care of. Faith promise giving is separate and above your tithe this morning. And I want to be real clear with you this morning. I want to take the word of God. I, I'm not going to do an emotional plea with you. I'm not going to, how many of you ever seen them ASPCA commercials? Right, they've got the dog, he's got two and a half legs, three pieces of hair, one eyeball's bigger than the other. He's shivering out in the cold. They got that lady singing in that octave that I've never heard before. And they'll say, would you please give $5 so Fido can come inside? They can just take the dog inside. That's free. It don't cost $5 to bring a dog inside. 
But I'm not going to, if that was the case, we would show videos of, of the poverty over in Africa and the, the great uh, uh, problems in the Middle East, and we could do that. I could emotionally draw you in to give. But when that which uh, draws your emotions is no longer there, you'll quit giving. So faith promise is not an emotional plea for money, I, nor is it an American-designed fundraiser. Right, I'm, not, I'm not here trying to fundraise. I'm not here trying to, uh, to, to, to set a goal so I can go brag to every other church, look what we've done. I want the, what the Lord would have us to do. It's not an American-designed fundraiser. Faith promise giving doesn't just work in America. It works in every church around the world. It's amazing. I, you can talk to some missionaries who've started churches and that God has grown, and they themselves in the foreign countries are now sending out own, their own missionaries. We think, why? It's biblical. It's biblical this morning. So here's, here's the thing. I'm not going to try to uh, uh, fundraise this morning or this thing. I'm not trying to fundraise. I'm not trying to get an emotion. I'm not trying to make you feel bad so you give money. I'm going to do my best to take the word of God and let God speak directly to your heart because the emotions might flee, the fundraising might fall off, but if the word of God is true, then when you say, I'm not going to give, God's going to say, what did my word say? God will hold you and I accountable to his word this morning. It's biblical Faith promise giving is biblical, it's for the church, it's for every Christian, and it's for every Christian in our church this morning. My heart's desire is for every one of us, every member of South Haven Baptist Church be involved in faith promise giving. I believe every Christian should be participating in it because of the biblical example found in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 this morning. So look at number one, number one this morning concerning this church of Macedonia, or the churches of Macedonia who have given this great gift to help the churches or the Christians that are in Jerusalem. Look at verse number one. I want you to notice the condition of the churches of Macedonia. Look at verse number one. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed, upon, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, who had everything perfect, who had everything great. They were just had more money than they know what to do with, and therefore they gave to the church of Jerusalem. It's not what verse number two says. Look what it says, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. So to break it down to you, the church at Macedonia has taken up what we call a love offering, what we call faith promise giving, and they by faith have given them out and raised them out and therefore sending it to Jerusalem. But we realize this morning that the church at Macedonia, everything wasn't just easy peasy for them. Matter of fact, look what the Bible says. They were in a great trial of affliction. They had much going on. They had, they had a lot to do. In essence, if there was a church to give and there was a church that should have been holding on to everything because of their position and because of their condition, it should have been the church of Macedonia. But here they are out of a love and out of grace. They are taking up an offering to help the church in Jerusalem. Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians here he used the Macedonian church as the example, the church of the Macedonia as the example. Can I say this one? It should have been the other way around. If you're going off strictly having enough, if you're going off strictly of, uh, of, of just having everything that you could possibly think that you might need, the church at Corinth was far more wealthier than the church at Macedonia. Why? Corinth in itself was far more wealthier than the cities that surrounded it. If you go and study that biblical history, you'll find out that Corinth was like a biblical Las Vegas, so to speak. That's where the rich went to go play. That's where the rich went to go and, 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 and indulge in sin and indulge in, in lust and to have every fleshly desire fulfilled. But it was a place of great wealth. 
And so you gotta realize that those who have been saved by the grace of God very well could have came from means. They would have had a great abundance to give out of. But Paul says, I want you to be like the church at Macedonia. The Christians at Macedonia who in their condition gave and God blessed in a great way. I heard a story not too long ago about a church that had a building fund and they were trying to build a brand new building and they, they were having a, you know, raising the money that was needed for that. But in that church was a wealthy old man who happened to be a miser. We're talking about a multi-millionaire, but he was a miser. In essence, every, you know, it, was, it was fighting tooth and nail to get him to give. And, and, and finally that one Sunday, the church had a, a pledge Sunday and people brought up their offerings and they had raised over, I don't count, the, the majority of the funds that they needed. And so there was just a little bit that had left to be give. And that miser stood up and he said, well, now that I see that the majority of it's been given, I am going to give the widow's offering. Now you read the Bible, what was the widow's offering? Two mites, two pennies, right? Here's the multi-millionaire. He said, I'll give two mites. But he said, I'll, I will give the widow's offering. A lady on the side of the church stood up, began to shout, began to praise the Lord. And he said, what's wrong with you, ma'am? Why are you so excited? I'm just giving the widow's offering. That lady said, that widow gave all that she had. And can I say this morning, we ought to give with that widow's heart this morning. I'm not saying you got to go empty out your bank account. We'll get into that in a few minutes. We're not, we're not going to get into that specifically. We're going to get into the heart of giving. But I want you to notice the condition that this church gave out of. They're in a great trial of affliction. They're in a great trial. Of, that word great, we often think of high, great, mighty, big, but it also means many. The church had many afflictions, many things pressuring it, many things coming against it, many things causing great problems within it, great stress, great worry. See, when you realize, you look at history, you find out that area of Macedonia, present-day North Macedonia, present-day Albania, present-day Estonia, those areas right there, when Rome conquered them, they didn't just conquer them, they plundered them. They literally took everything they had, wealth, resources, all of that, they took those out of those areas and used it for the Roman Empire. And then we realize when this is being written, Rome is in control Rome has all power. Macedonia has literally had everything stolen from them. Could you imagine this morning the government coming in and taking everything you own with no rhyme, no reason, and yet it's those people that God uses to give a great offering. They're in great affliction. The Bible says they're in deep poverty. What it says in verse number two, in their deep poverty, literally means they were so poor they were about to die from it. You ever been that poor? Oh, we talk about it, don't we? Oh, preacher, no, I was so poor growing up. We were so poor, we couldn't afford the O or the R. We talk about things that we had to do. We talk about, you know, different things that, and no doubt, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to negate your situation, make it seem less than, but can I say, being a born American, being born in the greatest country, I believe, in the earth, enjoying the freedoms that we have, even those of us who claim to be poor, we are extremely blessed this morning. We sang about it this morning. We, we are blessed this morning. But those in Macedonia were in deep poverty. They have everything taken from them. Great trial of affliction. But here's what they're known for. Abundance of joy. Look what it says in verse number two. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. 
See, in our modern-day Christianity, you can't go through affliction and have joy at the same time. I made a statement, and I heard a statement not too long ago. I was just saying what somebody else had already said, that when you go through affliction, you may not enjoy the affliction, but you can always have joy in the affliction. And we see here that they had an abundance. They had more joy than they knew what they'd do with. And an abundance of joy. That means you have more than what you need, even though they're in a great trial of affliction, even though they're in great problem. Well, preacher, where did this joy come from? I firmly believe it came from what they gave and how they gave it. But notice this, it's it's ironic to the sense, it's almost an oxymoron when you look at verse number two, they're in deep poverty, but what are they known for? The riches of their liberality. Can I say this one? I'm a conservative from my head to my toe. I believe in conservative uh, beliefs. I believe in conservative politics. I believe in conservative economies. I believe in conservative, conservative, conservative. But if there's any place I need and you and I need to be a liberal in, it is in our giving. Giving to the Lord. What a wonderful testimony to have to be known as a liberal when it came to giving. We see the condition of the church. Preacher, how could this church give so liberally? How could this church give in that condition and then have joy when they're giving away what they merely have? How many of you have ever heard this statement? It's so much easier to spend somebody else's money. (laughs) I I got too much money, preacher. I can help you spend it. But oftentimes when it comes to what God has blessed us with, we get possessive of it. This is mine. I've worked hard for it. I've earned it. I deserve it. This is what I, this is my reward. May I remind you we're bought with a price. I'm not my own. I'm saved. I've been bought with the blood of Christ. I am his, therefore everything I have is his. No, preacher, the tithe is the Lord's. It is, but so is the other 90%. It's all his this morning. And so when it comes to giving, really we're not giving our money to the Lord. We're giving what he's given us back to him whether it's in the tithe or whether it's in faith, promise, giving. Well, preacher, I just need everything. I need to have enough. I, I, I don't have enough money to give. Can I say this morning, if you and I stopped and really got to thinking about it, we'd realize that we do. We actually have probably more than what we realize, what we think of. Let me ask you this are you willing to miss your opportunity to get involved because you were waiting for the conditions to improve in your life? Here is the church of Macedonia. The church of Macedonia, great affliction, Great poverty, and yet they're the example of joyful givers. We see the condition of the church this morning. They gave in spite of their condition. But notice number two, we see the willingness of the church. Verse number three says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they are willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take it upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Let me ask you this morning, Have you ever been forced to do something and the only reason why you did it was because you knew the repercussions were greater if you didn't do it? Well, explain yourself, preacher. How many have ever had your parents tell you to tell somebody sorry, but you wasn't sorry about it? Right? You just, sorry. But you knew if you didn't say it, you were going to be sorry. (laughs) Cleaning because you don't want to find what else means. You better clean your room or else. I don't want to figure out what or else, what or else is. I'm going to clean my room, though I don't want to. <laughs> jury duty. Preacher, why'd you go to jury duty? I don't want to get a bench warrant on me. 
<laughs> I want to get in trouble with the law for not going to jury duty. Not saying that I wanted to be there. But I knew that if I didn't go, there was a great consequence with it. But when it comes to the churches of Macedonia giving, they weren't being forced to. In essence, they very well could have just stayed where they are, did what they've always done, and gone through life. God wasn't forcing them to give. He wasn't holding a gun to their head and saying, hey, listen, you need to give or else. He wasn't beating them over the head. He wasn't stripping them away of everything, saying, you better give or I'll take everything away from you. We find out here in verse number three, they were willing. They were willing of themselves. In essence, you could say it this way, money was their second option. They were willing of themselves. If it had been God's will, those who were in the church of Macedonia would have went themselves and helped and, and given the need and done what needed to be done, but that wasn't God's will for their life. The same when it comes to going to uh, being a missionary or supporting missions. We know that God hasn't called us to do that, and that's not where God's will for our life may be, but God's will is for every Christian to be behind that and to support that. And here's the thing, I've heard this mentality uh, a lot of times, and it says like this, you better give to faith promise giving or God's gonna call you to go. Can I say I've learned in my Christian life, the worst thing I can ever do is tell God no. Lord, I won't do that. Lord, I won't go there. Lord, no, I will not participate in that. That is not my skill set. That's not what I'm good at, Lord. That's I've learned. It doesn't do me, you and I, any. I've, I've told the Lord many years, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Lord, I'll fill in wherever you want me to fill in. Preacher, how did you become pastor here? Preacher, how did you, how, did you, did you send in a resume? I don't even have a resume for anything. <laughs> It'd take me a while to make one up. <laughs> Went to Sonic University for one day. But I've just learned, just, Lord, whatever you want. In essence, the church of Macedonia said, Lord, we'll go. And God said, that's not what I'm asking. That's not what I'm desiring at you. I'm just asking you to give and support those who are already there and those that are already going. So money was their second option. In essence, our mentality when it comes to faith promise giving would be that I would go. But that's not what God has asked of me, but I'll help those who God has called to go. I'll be a support to those that God has called. Money was their second option. Look at verse number, I think verse number four. Yeah, verse number four. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They literally begged Paul to take it. Because <laughs> Paul's like me and you, right? It's one thing for multimillionaires to write us a check. We're saying, oh, I ain't hurting them numb. Praise the Lord. Thank, thank the Lord for it. They gave us the multimillionaire. But when somebody who doesn't have anything comes to you with a gift and says, here, take this, you don't feel honorable. It almost doesn't feel right. And yet here they are saying, Paul, please take this. This is what God has asked of us. This is what God desires of us. We have given it with the right heart and the right spirit. Paul, would you please take it? And can I say this morning, those missionaries that are in it for the real cause and for the real reasons, they're so humbled that a church would give to them. They're so humbled that God's people would be willing to invest in them and what God has called them to do. And that's why this morning, everything we take up in Faith Promise, everything you pledge that we're going to pledge on the last Sunday of this month, 
For the next year, everything you give will go directly towards missionaries who are using it for the right reasons in the right places. They begged Paul to take it. Verse number four, they wanted to minister, not just be ministered to. Look at verse number four. And take upon the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. If there's anybody that needed to be ministered to, I would say people who are in great affliction, in great poverty, they need a hug, they need help, they need somebody to come and say, hey, it's going to be okay. But here's the church of Macedonia saying, no, we don't expect just to be ministered to. We want to be part of ministering to others. And so much of the modern church age has become, what can the church do for me? I had an email this week from a lady. said, I looked on your website, Pastor, and I'm just wanting to know what kind of programs you guys offer. What, are, what does your church offer for me? And can I say I'm not against programs? I'm not against fellowships. I'm not against ladies' meetings. I'm not against those things. But we have to remember that church isn't about what the church can do for me, but it's what can I do for the Lord? How can I serve the Lord? How can I give to those? How can I not just be ministered to? How many are glad for the times you've come in and the preaching or the singing has ministered to your heart? It's helped you. It's encouraged you. It's strengthened you. If we're not careful, we get so consumed with consuming, we forget we're called to minister. And a great way we can do that is every month. So I'm willing to give this much towards worldwide missions to minister to those who are in a foreign country. It should be how can I help? Can I be Help. Let me ask you this morning, are you willing to give so others can go where you would go, but you're not able to? Notice the willingness of this church. Notice the condition of this church. Notice number two, the action of the church. Look at verse number seven. Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence, and your love to us, so that ye abound in this grace also. Here's the thing, even with a want and a willingness there had to be an action to the giving. <laughs> There's a big difference from me saying, hey, I want to give you $100. And me saying, here is $100. Could you imagine this morning if instead of taking up real money when we take up an offering plate, taking up checks that are tied to real bank accounts, if everybody just wrote down what they wanted to give, we'd have the biggest offering you've ever seen. I mean, I, I, I wish and I would and I want to give a million dollars. You realize this morning if just half of you in here wrote that down, we'd have $25 million this morning in pledged money. <laughs> Last time I checked, Georgia Power don't take pledged money. <laughs> Missionaries can't live off of pledged money. Right? There's got to be a want to. They had it. There's got to be a willingness. They had it. But look, no, look at verse number Ah, somewhere in here, verse number 10, verse number 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. Perform the doing of it. Lord, this is what you've put on my heart. Lord, I know this is what you want me to give. I'm giving it out of the abundance of my life. Remember when Brother Bob was here, he said, you know, like he said, I wish I could write, I want to give a million dollars to missions every month. Do you realize that? If, if I just wrote, wrote that down, I said, I'm going to give a million dollars every month to mission, we'd have a $12 million missions program on pledged money. <laughs> I don't have a million dollars. <laughs> Nowhere close to it. <laughs> Probably never see it in my entire life. But can I honestly say with you, I do have an abundance. It may not be a million dollars. And you have an abundance this morning as well. 
even in our great afflictions, even in deep poverty, they had an abundance, right? There was somewhere, somehow, they said, you know what? I have this money, and it's something that I typically use for something else, but it's not a need. It's just something that I want. Instead of, instead of pleasing myself, I'm going to give it to this offering, is what those in Macedonia said. And the same is true in our life. Oftentimes, we like to think, well, preacher, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money to get invested in faith, promise, giving. I just don't have no money. You do, and I do. We just typically spend it in other places. Here's the thing this morning. There's nothing greater than investing in the work of God. Think about it this way. Let me ask you, I'm not trying to pick on nobody this morning. We all got things that we probably waste money on. I was on the way to church this morning, and I thought about cable television. It's been 18 years. I was doing the math, 18 years since I've had cable television. Growing up, I had it every, every, everywhere we lived. <laughs> I got out on my own, and I found out I couldn't afford it. <laughs> Man, mom and daddy were taking good care of me. But here I am, 18 years later, I'm still alive, still sane. I still don't have cable television, right? Sodas. Oh, preacher, I got to have my soda. Do you really? <laughs> Pretty sure you can drink water and survive. Preacher, that's going to cost me. Let me ask you, what's the eternal reward on cable television? What's the eternal reward on sodas? Eating out. My family costs $40 when we go out to eat. Anywhere and everywhere we go, $40. We can go to cookout, $40. Chick-fil-A, $40. Anywhere else, it's more than that. The point where we're like, hey, we're not eating out no more. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The price of those things. But there's all these things, if we get real serious and real honest, we find out we actually do have an abundance. Right? We like to act like we're poor, but really is we spend our money in a whole lot of different places that don't need to be spent. And spent or doesn't have to be spent. I'm not saying take your power bill money and give it to missions. But I am saying sit and ask the Lord. Lord, reveal unto me some areas in my life that I'm spending money that doesn't need to be spent. And where I am spending, it's not getting any eternal. My flesh is satisfied. It feels good. Uh, it's fun. But Lord, if I could actually give that to faith, promise, giving. I'm not asking you to pledge anything you don't have. I'm just asking what the Lord asks you to use what you already have. But notice here this morning the action of the church. He said, don't just say you want to. Don't just say you will. He said, but there's got to be a performing of it in verse number 11. You actually have to give it. Giving is part of their growth. Look at verse number 7. He said, therefore, as you abound in everything, faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and your love to us, see that you abound in this grace all. How many of us want to know more about the Lord? I do. How many of us want to know more about the Bible? I do. How many of us want to grow as a Christian? I do. And giving is part of that. If you never give, you'll never grow as a Christian. A spiritual Christian will never grow aside from giving. But notice this, verse number nine, we see the example of Christ. Christ wanted to come. Christ was willing to come. But you and I are saved because Christ came. If there was no action to the willingness, there was no actual sacrifice, it didn't matter if he was just a willing sacrifice, but he had to be an actual sacrifice. And personal action always precedes corporate action. Look at verse number 11. Before there is a we, there must be a ye, or you, performed, executed, see it to the end. They had a ready will, but also an action that followed. You ever had somebody say something along these lines? We've seen it right now with all the hurricane. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. It's the thought that counts. 
I got one other one down here. You're in my thoughts. I understand what people are trying to say, and I understand the heart behind it, but you thinking about me ain't going to fix nothing. <laughs> it ain't going to change nothing. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> and sometimes that can get awkward. <laughs> I was in Bible college, and Brother Robbie Burton said, Brother Tate, come preach for us, practice preaching. He said, I was in the shower today, and I was thinking about you. I thought, why were you thinking about me in the shower? <laughs> But a lot of times you and I have a good thought. We know I want to be involved in faith promise giving. And I know there's areas that I can cut and there's areas that I can sacrifice in a sense and I can take money invested in the eternal work of God in my church and around the world. And I think that's a great idea. But until I give, there's no reward for it. There's no reward for those who just think faith promise giving is good, but only for those who actually give to faith promise giving. But I want you to notice number four. This one of the results of their giving. The results of their giving. I know it's been a different kind of message, but hopefully the Lord's worked in your heart. Have done some truths about faith promise giving. The point of faith promise giving isn't for you to suffer. Look at verse number 13. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye be burdened. Or ye burdened. In essence, faith promise giving isn't you and I giving, so we suffer while the missionary lives high on life and lives exquisitely in lives an easy life. That's not faith promise giving. That's why we don't just quickly support somebody. We vet them, we look at them, we see what their, their desire is and what they're going to do because not everybody that claims to be a missionary is a missionary. Not every work that claims to be a mission work is a biblical mission work. They're always tied to the church. There's different things we'll go into throughout this month. We'll learn about that. But the point of faith promise giving isn't for you to suffer while the missionary prospers, but rather, verse number 14 tells us the secret. Faith promise giving equalizes the situation. Why? What is our great need? To preach the gospel. Where are we to preach it to? The uttermost parts of the world. We can't go. We have a great need. The missionary is called to go to a foreign country, but doesn't have the ability to do it by themselves. They have a great need. Now we have two people who have great needs. Right? We need to carry out the Great Commission to the uttermost parts of the world. They are going to the uttermost parts of the world, and they need help. We both have great needs. Look at verse number 14. But by inequality, that now as I, this time your abundance may supply their want or their need, that their abundance may also supply for your want. There may be equality. Think about it this way. We have that great need to get the gospel out. We can't do it. We don't have the means to go by ourselves. That's not what God has called us to specifically. And then they have this great need where they want to go and they, God has called them and they need our help. In my abundance, I supply their need to go. And in their abundance of preaching and, and reaching souls on a foreign field, they meet my need to get the gospel to a lost and dying world, to the most parts of the world. It makes it equal. We work together. So in essence, faith promise giving isn't you just giving money and then a missionary living easy, faith promises God's plan from the word of God to help me and you carry out the great commission that he asks of all of us. So you think about it this way. In my abundance, I give, and it helps meet their need. And as they give of themselves their abundance on the field, it helps my need to fulfill the great commission. Are you willing to give to missions so that you can bring equality to their need and your great need this morning? 
Faith, promise, giving is biblical. Every Christian ought to be involved in it. Every Christian ought to be persuaded and know, not just because a preacher gets up and shows a, a, a video and it tugs at your heartstrings. I will say, Ecclesiastes is right. You go and see it for yourself, it'll affect your heart. It'll affect your heart when you see it. But when you remove the emotion, you remove the statistical information, you remove the great presentation, you and I ought to give because that's what the Bible instructs us to do. It helps you and I carry out the great commission this morning.